0: Welcome to Mud 79 I'm Fearless Fred Kennedy, the creator of this totally original and in no way authorized Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you love Star Wars. Well... I love it, too. And I've always wanted to tell my own story in a galaxy far, far away. A story that's less about Skywalkers and more about those who were on the front lines. A boots-on-the-ground story about how those living in the galaxy survive the horrors of war. That's what Mud 79 is all about. If you are new to the show, welcome. But please be aware this is a series So if you don't want to be totally lost, start from the beginning with episode one. You don't want to be a stormtrooper. This is episode 27. You'll never be lost.
1: Kwai receives his medal during the opening ceremony of the Legion's Terracassi tournament, but notices something odd during a hollow of his father that plays as part of the ceremony. He puts it out of mind and enjoys drinks with several other medal winners as they watch Sergeant Houston defeat all oncomers and claim the title of legionary champion. What happens now that the tournament is done? Is there a chance Kwai's mouth got him into trouble? And what awaits the 20th Company's fighters when they return to the hotel? Let's find out.
0: While the fighters from the 20th Company were in the ring posing for pictures, soaking in the congratulations of one dignitary after another, the arena itself was clearing out. I put money on this guy. Spectators were making their ways into town to carry on the party. Brothels would be crowded, the bars would have lines around the corner and every merchant who poured into the city for the fights would be flush with credits. It was a party. Let
2: me see your identification.
0: The Buckets were doing their usual routine of shoving, prodding, arresting and detaining anyone getting lippy or too drunk to behave. I wondered how many of those drunks would wake up to learn they somehow signed a recruitment doc without even remembering it. Our lardy wasn't due back to the hotel until the following afternoon. So when we got back to the barracks, we cut loose. Captain Imbali ensured there were a few bottles waiting for us, and the glasses were full before anyone even sat down. So what are you going to do with your extra creds? Murray was already on his second glass. I was going to put in a private order on some new wiring and signal lamps for the comms unit. It's been choppy as hell the last few ops. I had some stuff on back order through supply, but I know things run faster if you just order via commercial channels. Maybe we pool our money, get a big order, and save on shipping. He was already on his bracelet, bringing up a net-based retailer for the parts and I rattled off some of the things I'd been talking about with the other scout, that medal-winning Miri Allen. She had a scope from a Vulcan 38, synced it with her bracelet for tracking multiple targets, and it sounded awesome. We drank and smoked and talked about what we expected to see when we got back on the line. Hadn't been in touch with anyone since we left, the skip didn't want distractions, so we were really clueless. But it was nice. Why ruin it? We just let the rest of the night play out. Husto had been delayed by medical staff, getting checked out. Look at me. As well as doing a few interviews for the hollow feeds. The tournament was big news in the local clusters and would make great recruitment material, so they needed to take advantage of it. But when he walked through those barrack doors, all he wanted to do was kick back with the rest of us. Hey, assholes. I got a box of hand-rolled Rothma cigars from the Commodore himself. Who wants one? Cigars, booze, and no wake-up time? Glorious. I wasn't up until lunch the next day. Not hungover, but a shadow of a hangover, you know? The cloud of headache infringing on my sight. And when I swung my feet over the edge of my cot, the mood in the room had already shifted. Most of the company was awake, and the chatter was idle. The trip was done, and we knew it that night, we'd be back in hut country, the green death, at war. I folded up my new dress uniform and eased myself back into my fatigues. I was moving slow and methodical, taking my time, really soaking in those last moments of peace. I stepped outside for a stick, sat on the bench, watching the ground transports move down the road in steady lines, each company heading back to their posts. A slow-paced but steady exodus. Everyone, EVERYONE was giving each other a nod. The hostility and competitiveness gone, or Suppressed, at least. We were all in the same boat now, and we knew it. The 20th was waiting for our own ride to the Lardy, when some stewards showed up with a few crates of ration packs. Delightful. Month-old in a bag. My favorite. Those packs had a very specific taste to them. A very, very subtle hint of melted plastic. The smell of melted plastic, but as part of the flavor profile. a wondrous dining experience. We landed back at the hotel just before sundown, and were given a small but very raucous welcome. A solid quarter of the company. They weren't celebrating all of us, just Gusto. He snagged everyone a lot of money after all. Had to wonder how much of it had already been spent. Troopers burn through their money. There's no guarantee you'll get a second chance to indulge, so you spend when you can, usually at the nearest brothel, or on booze, or drugs, anything that will take you away for a few minutes. I didn't see the LT when we landed. In fact, there were no officers there when the bird came down, Gintala was front and centre, though.
2: Good to have you back, troopers. But hit the barracks and stow your gear, and be sure to check the duty roster. Some of you are back on the line as of 0600 tomorrow.
0: Ah, yes. The beauty of routine. The musty smell of damp and disinfectant filled my nostrils when I walked into the shack. Tolin was sitting on his cot. His RPS-6 dismantled in front of him. There were some faces I didn't recognize at the table playing cards. Sticks hanging from the corners of their mouths, half-empty glasses of Kang Tree in front of them. Lukewarm, as it should be.
3: Tolan nodded as I came in. You better get that rifle primed, quiet. We're going on post tomorrow, after sundown. Special Op. Special Op? What? Yeah, there's a new officer on the hill, Captain. Supposed to be hard, but there's something about this guy. You'll see.
0: Hard meaning high-altitude recon dropper. I asked if he was an asshole or something. Just wanted to know what I should expect.
3: Well, yeah, he's an asshole, but he's good. Like the LT, they're tight, actually, right off the hop. They were on the same page. He wasn't even
0: looking up as he spoke, just in the barrel with a chem soap rag. The weapon tech in me was impressed with how methodical he was with his maintenance. Made my shifts in the armory easier.
3: We had a really weird flyout the day after you left and this guy was with us. No tower, very low and slow, quiet. We're poking around some hills, places near where we'd been before. Abandoned dig sites, trails, he was just taking readings. We'd circle up for an hour, form a really loose CP, then move out again. He paused. Something's coming down the pipe and there being ghost magic about everything. Ghost magic,
0: quiet, no noise, meaning no details. Nothing good ever happened when words like that were getting tossed around. I stowed my bag, stoned my gear in my locker, took stock of my few belongings, making sure everything was still there. No light fingers in our platoon, but best to be sure. I lit up a stick and handed one to Tolan before heading outside and making for the weapons depot. Figured that'd be where I'd find Mondi. Opened the door, and there she was. Had a stack of E-10s and 11s beside her. And at the other workstation, Quenda. You're just in time, quiet up a chair. (laughs) What a welcome. I reminded her that I was part of the team that just scored her a hefty chunk of creds. That wasn't
4: you, it was Houston. Just help me get some of these things working again. Elsie was on tour while you were off partying in the big city.
0: I took off my jacket and sat down at the table, began elaborating on all the shenanigans at Floon Bay. Both my administrative snooze fest and the tournament proper. Quenda handed me a blaster mid story, and I got to work. Snagged a quin driver from the pile of tools in front of Monty and popped the casing. Yeesh, the state of these things disgusting. I was officially back at the hotel. Got the dope about this new officer. The captain Toland had been talking about was a captain, but ceded to the officers already here.
4: He said he wasn't here in a command capacity and was taking orders from Kara. All he did was advise, and then when he reached our destination, he'd be off taking readings and stuff. Kept it quiet.
0: She was still talking when my bracelet went off. There were a bunch of notifications. Service racks, maintenance reports, Imperial service bulletins sent system-wide, secondary duty schedules, and, of course, the patrol manifest. The 79th was indeed going out the next night, and before we did, there'd be a sit-down briefing with the full platoon, which would include one Captain Andir Largo, our esteemed new mystery officer. The three of us pushed our way through the pile of blasters before lights out. Mondi told me she had a crate of heavy weapons to tackle in the morning, emphasizing that Kwenda had an early morning shift outside the wire. I knew she was asking for a hand without asking for a hand, so I promised to be there. The barracks were alive that night. Everyone was trading stories confirming things they'd seen on the hollows, and those of us who were gone got a dose of what we missed. It was just patrols. Really, really dead patrols.
5: Yeah, you guys were in the big city. You're the ones with the stories.
0: Murray was all too eager to embellish how amazing it all was. Didn't care if he put anyone off. He was riding high. I loved him for it. He all but took cred for Justo's victory, too. Who can say how things would have gone if I hadn't done so well? I probably softened a lot of those guys up, shifting the brackets around. Even when I lost, the guy I fought was mangled for his next match. So you're all welcome for that bonus. He stood and bowed for that last line, which got a speckled faux applause. The hotel was quiet that next morning the sky having a weird mix of hazy sunrise and held-over purple glow from the night sky. A light breeze climbed up the hill, oddly cool and steady. Mondy nudged me awake, and we made for the armory. I brought my E11s. Just wanted to give it a deep passover before the flyout. See if I could scrounge up spare parts keep it functional out there. Mondi was annoyed I was spending so much time on it, but I reminded her I hadn't fired it in over a week. Better safe than sorry. Joked that I could be covering her, and it might short out.
4: That's a good point. I am a valuable asset to the cause. We
0: packed it in just before the mess served lunch. Some lardies touched down. Two squads from the 77th crawled out. They were wet and had the stare. It's a weird face, like a tired statue, just seeing through things, intermittent distance. The way your eyes would adjust in the field, scanning everything and nowhere, watching for the slightest movement. They'd been out for three days. Sleep came hard outside the wire, and you'd start popping stims on the second night. Once you accepted, you weren't gonna get any actual shut-eye, no matter how woozy all the chems in your system were making you. They didn't have any wounded, though. Didn't even make contact. Flew out to the western edges of the Toblin Range, where a bunch of streams, melt, and glacier runoff merge into the Sangiotti river. Just surveyed. Kept tabs on a platoon operating below ground in the echoes. That was all the dope we got. Came from one of our grenadiers. Poland was friends with him. But really, how reliable was any secondhand ship? How reliable was anything? We were being told. Our briefing was in the admin building. A multi-purpose room we used for classes, desk work, when we needed to re-up on courses. We had a few meetings in here before, but they were all pretty casual. But this time, the tables were arranged in the center, with chairs lined around the outside.
5: Heads up, 79. The LT. It's up, 79. The LT,
0: walking tight, looking hard, as always. And right beside him, Captain Andir Largo. He was Kafar. Kifu. Depends on which part of the galaxy you're from, really. But in the manual, you're to refer to their species as Kafar, so keep that in mind. Largo was the same height as the LT, but thinner. He looked older, too. Middle-aged, but strong, tightly wound. Not oppressive or hostile. He didn't exude menace at all, he was calm. Gave you this neutral expression where you weren't sure if he was even listening. But that guy took everything
5: in. To those of you who have been away, this is Captain Largo. He's joining 20th Company on special assignment. Command is pleased with that progress and sent him to help capitalize on the victories we've achieved in recent weeks i've ensured he knows the 79th is up to whatever task he has in mind so give him your complete attention understood
0: the captain nodded ever so slightly and stepped forward he didn't speak didn't say a word just placed a hollow projector on the table it lit up with a diagram of some foothills near a mountain range, which could have been anywhere. That was the only type of scenery we got to see in these parts. The hollow centered around a specific hill though, taller than those nearby, broad sloping sides and had a spattering of grown over stone ruins on the peak.
4: Good afternoon, troopers. This is Hill 23M, known to the locals as Poacher's Hill. It's a regional high point west of the highest steps in the far northeastern reaches of the Green Death. The hollow widened and
0: showed a projection of the soil and bedrock beneath, including a cave system. The hollow kept pulling out and the cave system got bigger, sprawling and expansive.
4: Based on gathered intelligence, Command believes there's a large subterranean network being utilized by Sessure forces directly below the hill. Attempts to locate it via known tunnel systems have been unsuccessful. Orbital scans have also found difficulty penetrating the surface to the necessary depths. As such, we've been allotted a deep-range subsurface scanner, on loan from a Navy surveying vessel. The projection on the table
0: got tight again, in on the top of the hill, illuminating the peak.
4: Naval engineers have suggested we position the scanner here, the top of the hill, to ensure maximum scanning range.
0: The image pulled out ever so slightly and rotated, indicating multiple smaller hills in the surrounding area, as well as a ridge line that was two clicks
4: south. We've scouted the region by air with fighters from 12 Wing, but the Navy has requested a foot patrol before they commit such a valuable
0: asset. You could feel a silent groan roll through the room. Not because we needed to go on patrol, but because the Navy needed us to move in first to make sure it was safe for their surveying team. I know that's the job, but it gets a little tiresome being a meat shield, time and time again, for people who think your life is worth less than a fancy piece of mining equipment.
4: I'll let your commander handle the specifics of the operation,
0: Lieutenant. The hollow shifted again and
5: highlighted the smaller hills surrounding 23M. As the captain mentioned, our task is to patrol and secure the region surrounding Poachers Hill. A significant space, but fortunately, enemy activity in the area has been minimal. There could still be probe droids and remote sensors, though, so I want your goggles on and scanning for wideband EM frequencies. Keep note of anything unusual and report it to your sergeants immediately. I was next to Mondi and looked over at her. She raised her eyebrows because we both
0: caught the same thing the wideband EM scanning. A full platoon of troopers running constant scans was a bit odd. All those scans would give off a lot of electromagnetic interference in their own right. That many scanners running and then open comms traffic reporting anything was like burning wet wood, a lot of smoke, and it made you visible from a long way out. This was the opposite of what we normally did. I glanced towards the sergeants, and none of them seemed phased by anything. Not in the slightest, which was even weirder. Especially Kyra. One time during scout training, he tracked us down and neutralized half of us based on a single broadband comm signal. One. We might as well
5: be sending up flares. We're also being blessed with air support. Captain Largo has requested that our ride in stay in the area in case things get hot. That was nice, at least. Despite them also adding to our footprint, it
0: was comforting knowing they'd be there. The LT got a bit deeper into things, that we were going to be outside the wire for at least a week while we assisted with the engineering teams and helped fortify and man the position for the duration of the scanning process. He emphasized how much of a help this could be to the efforts in the region, and how lucky we were that command had provided a piece of equipment like this, given how rare they were. Which was followed by a passing reminder that it would be best we ensure nothing happened to it. Our sergeants would fill us in with the rest of the details once we were in the air. Then we were dismissed to get our kit ready. We'd be airborne by 1600. Routine slides on like a shoe, and it has its comforts. I threw on the compression gear and slid into my fresh IRDs, which still smelled clean, and felt a sense of calm when I clasped on my armor. This really did feel like home. Any of this strike you as a bit odd? I saw you and Mondi making eyes. Arkham was a good scout. Picked up on the glance from across the room. He leaned in and whispered... It's the scanning, isn't it? What's that about? We're the scanners. That's our job. I played it off, saying we could talk about it in the field. Yeah, for sure.
1: Just keep an eye on the new gray. Some of them have only been in hot Country once. They haven't even made contact. We're gonna be playing shepherd out here. He dropped
0: his chin and raised his eyebrows while stepping back, then walked past a bunk, and chirped one of our FNGs. Didn't even know the kid yet, some rifleman with a shiny E-11. Guy was white, those shaky hands running over clips, buckles, hiding fear and monotony. Our scouts were solid easily the most cohesive aspect of our platoon. I say this based on random chats with other troopers at the hotel. The mortar crews were even two. Every lead hand was dusty, had experience. So worst case, the rate of fire would drop, but accuracy would still be on point. It was the rifles that'd suffer most. They always bore the brunt of fresh gray. I ambled over to the pads where the sergeants were already gathered. They were reviewing kit and inspecting those already there. Paying close attention to water rations and filtration tabs. You didn't need anyone getting sick out there, given we weren't even sure how long we'd be there.
2: You bring a recharge stand, Corporal?
0: Sergeant Gentala wasn't even looking over as she went through an FNG's pack. I responded while lighting a stick. Yes, Sergeant.
2: Good, make sure the rest of the scouts have theirs. You might be off in the bush for a while, understood?
0: The Lardys were being primed and refueled. Before long, we went up. Two squads per Lardy, packed tight. Only took a few seconds and everything was damp, sweat, humidity. Tom's clicked in, Sergeant Gentala.
2: Squad 4, listen up. In 40 minutes, we'll be landing six clicks south of Hill 23M. The platoon will then split with squads 1 and 2 under the LT, scanning the western zone. We've got the eastern half along with squad 3, under command of Captain Largo. We'll move in double column formation, low and slow. When we touch down, I want four out the hatch on contact. Prepare to advance before three reaches even their LZ. Scouts, speak to me on the ground about the DQ. Jintala out.
0: DQ meant destination coordinates, where we were headed. A patrol like this would often have multiple DQs. We'd hit one of them after another, following a route. It was reasonable to assume given we were securing a perimeter, we'd be moving in a typhoon pattern, starting on the outside and gradually getting closer to the center where we dig in. The idea was to be as efficient with manpower as possible. Take into account the scanning radius of each squad and then with minimal overlap, get to the center sector step by step. I was next to Quenda, and she was already looking up, mumbling, calculating the distance we'd be marching. Provided, of course, we were executing a typhoon, then she pulled out her fingers, attempting to figure out the approximate length of time it would take. She was
4: really good at it. This could be a 20-plus hour march. How
0: plus, I
4: responded. Depends. We hit contact? I don't know but barring really shitty terrain. Maybe as long as five.
0: I nodded and held a stick out for her. We weren't allowed to smoke in the Lardies when it was this crowded, but most of us had one hanging from our lips. Idle chatter, rude gestures. Hold on, Troopers, we're coming about. Prep for the drop. The Lardy shifted forward as the pilot upped the drag then our stomachs rose into the back of our throats as we made the descent downwards. The windows didn't shift open, and it was hard to know how close to the ground we were. Touching down at 30, make ready for evac. The Lardi spun downwards and twisted as the door opened. It was dark, but the sky was clear. Strong breeze and light rain almost missed riding me. Felt the wet hit your face the second you were out, but it was fresh. Well, whenever you're jumping off a crowded lardy full of stinking troopers, the air always smells clean by comparison. Could be landing in a dump and still feel cleansed.
2: Squad four, move, go, go, go.
0: We unclipped and hustled off the lardy, bags in hand. Gentala's boots had just hit the ground when the bird was already pulling up, the doors sliding shut behind her. We dropped in some light scrub. It wasn't a clearing, because there were still small trees and deep undergrowth, but it was soft enough to move through. Soil had give, but you were mostly walking on crushed vegetation, so It was hard to tell how much give. The foliage had some strong odors too. Sweet and sappy like a fresh cut needle tree. It would cling to the droplets in the air. Very different than the dank jungles we were used to. Cooler too. Mind you, it was the end of summer, so the weather would be hard to call. Maybe this spot would freeze over sooner. Or maybe the heat would suddenly kick back in. Who knew?
2: Form the column, Targon. I want you up front. Elthirium, organize the rifles. Motra's in the middle. And Tolan, I need you at the rear. No stragglers. Keep the column spaced and proper. Scouts, to me.
0: The sergeant was making her own way down the line and didn't slow when we met. just punched up the coordinates on her bracelet and uploaded them to ours. There were 18 points we need to hit before making our way up Poacher's Hill. I'd done this enough times to be able to figure out the approximate shape of our route via the numbers. It was a very broad spiral.
2: We're not slowing on this one. You two hit your targets and call it in on this channel.
0: She showed us an encrypted channel marker and we adjusted our comms to it.
2: That line is direct to me, no one else. You call in what you see. Anything seems odd, let me know. You make contact, we're bringing in the bird. Anything short of that, keep moving. Follow your list of DQs and we'll be at the crest by mid-afternoon tomorrow.
0: She handed us each a triple dose of stems.
2: You get tired, you take these, understood? Now go and check in when you're 200 meters out so we can get moving.
0: The pace was gonna be slower given the terrain. Heavy growth and shrubs, even under the canopy. But we got moving, left the small clearing behind and worked our way into the trees. The footing was either stone or sludge at first. I slipped a few times before getting 200 out. Had to readjust my pace, spending more time looking down than around at my surroundings. Being up front, you made an effort to hide your tracks, stay quiet, move around the undergrowth, not through it. It was harder to avoid things with the goggles on, and they distorted your vision a touch. But when you layered in the night vision with a touch of thermal imaging, it made things work easier. Brenda and I were spaced less than 10 meters apart, taking turns at the lead, signaling back and forth with our hands. The trees were full of life. It was too dark to get a good look, and the thermals just made everything a massive blotch of heat. We had to turn down the thermals a touch because they were picking up things like insects and, in some cases, airborne algae, which tended to congregate around any pool of still water. But even dampened, you could see the upper levels of the trees were humming with activity. I knew there were peeds up there, big ones. I saw one chittering its way down a branch, dragging its latest catch in its pincers. Looked like a half-rotten corpse of a poda ape. We went up hills and hopped into brooks, trudging through knee-deep water and going over the opposite banks We'd hit our target, fire off a message, and keep going. Squatting the countless legions of buzzing critters, making a buffet of every inch of exposed skin.
4: DQ-4 has been reached, all clear, proceeding to five.
0: It was good to be home.
1: Will there be more to this mission than the mutters realize? And why has Captain Largo called in air support? And just who is Captain Largo? Imperial intelligence, special forces, or something worse? That's next time on episode 28, Lighting the Beacon.
0: Thank you for joining me this week on Fearless Fred Presents Mud 79, a Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you haven't already, Make sure you follow the show so you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps grow the show and will make my contemptible harpy of a producer very happy. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever else you get your favorite streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and a full listing of Mud 79's cast. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fearless underscore Fred or email me at mud79 at curiouscast.ca. This show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy, and Dila Velasquez, the Harpy, our producer. Sound design is by moi and final production is by Rob Johnson. And I'll see you next week for more Mud 79.